Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Disciple is one of those words that is a Bible word and it has religious connotations. A bit like the word apostle or epistle. You know, there's these funny words that they just only seem to be used in a Bible context. The word disciple is one of those. But it's actually a really important word, the word disciple, because it occurs over 200 times in the Bible and it speaks of us. You know, the word believer, speaking of us, only occurs a handful of times. The word Christian only occurs three times in the Bible. Yet disciple, hundreds and hundreds of times in the Bible. There's one word that's used more than disciple and it's brethren. And again, that sounds weird and old-fashioned. It means family, brothers and sisters. But I am praying and trusting and believing that through this series, we will understand what a disciple is. We will understand what the benefit and power and beauty of being a disciple is. And some of us will become disciples. Because it is possible... There's a verse in Acts which says the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And then there's two other places where the word Christian is used. And it's, it seems to be that the outsiders called the disciples Christians. They didn't call themselves Christians. From the, the uses of the word Christian in the Bible, it was a derogatory term used by outsiders to accuse the, the believers, and they called them Christians. It's not a bad term. It means little Christs. It's followers of Christ. It's, it's not a bad term, but it is possible, please hear me now, that we think that because we live in a Christian nation, because we've been to Christian schools or been confirmed as a baby or we've been part of a Christian society, we may think we're disciples, but I want to say to you, the disciples were called Christians in Antioch, but Christians, people called Christians, are not necessarily disciples. And just because you have the name Christian doesn't mean you are a disciple any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger or being in a garage makes you a car, amen? So, let's trust the Lord to show us what disciples are. I'm gonna read from John chapter one and verse 35. It says, again the next day, John, that's John the Baptist. Do you remember the the prophet guy who dressed funny and baptized people in the wilderness? He ate locusts, he was an unusual man. He was also Jesus' cousin. It says, again, the next day, John the Baptist stood with two of his disciples. Now, these were people who followed John the Baptist around, and they listened to what he said, and they watched him baptizing, and they tried to help with his ministry, and they copied him, and they spent time with him, and they were learning from him, because in that culture and society, a teacher, who was often called rabbi, usually had people who followed around with him and that's how they learnt. They were his disciples or students or followers. And John the Baptist had disciples and he was standing with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked by, he said, behold the Lamb of God 
the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, I wonder if John the Baptist was a bit jealous. Oh, I've lost my two disciples. I only had two disciples and they're gone. I want to tell you that every time we see John the Baptist, he is saying he must be greater. I must be less. I'm pointing to him. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. John was thrilled to give his disciples to Jesus. My first point is that I used to have a wrong idea of discipleship. I thought when the Bible said make disciples or be disciples, it was saying a human being must disciple me and I must disciple a human being. I wonder if you've had that wrong idea. I thought it was all about getting a little group of people to me who I was gonna teach and I was gonna lead them through and they were gonna be my little followers and I've had a, a light bulb moment while I've been studying this that there's nowhere in the Bible that it says that you must make disciples of yourself. It's always you must make disciples of Jesus. We take people and we make them disciples of Jesus. It's never they must look to me as their discipler and suddenly a whole lot of wrong ideas just fell off my mind and I understood, no, I must be like John the Baptist. I must say, look, that's the one who you're supposed to follow. I wonder if you've had that wrong idea. It'll help you, friends, because many of us think of discipling, being a disciple, or making disciples as a weird relationship between me and a guru. And I must find this guy who's just the most amazing spiritual leader and then I must spend hours with him listening to his every word and, and he must just dispense wisdom and I must obey him, you know, unquestioningly. And that's not what the Bible says. In fact, in Acts chapter 20 and verse 30, it says the sign of a false teacher is that he tries to make disciples after himself. He tries to draw disciples of himself. Isn't that interesting? That's the sign of a false teacher is he says, you must be my followers. In Acts chapter nine, everywhere else in the Bible, it, this word occurs so many times, but it just says the word disciples, and it doesn't make it clear that it's disciples of Jesus, but in Acts nine it says, the disciples of the Lord. And suddenly we realize that everywhere that it mentions the word disciple, it's not saying a disciple of you, it's saying a disciple of Jesus. So now, Matthew 28, I'm just gonna quickly switch. I'm gonna get back to John chapter one in a minute. But if we can look at Matthew 28, verse 19. He says, go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is the great commission. If you're new to church, you must understand that is our main task. Jesus gave us that as our main job as Christians. Make disciples. The problem is most of us don't know what a disciple is. Most of us don't know how do I make disciples and many of us have this wrong idea that I'm supposed to be making disciples of me and that's not it. 
I must be pointing people to Jesus, saying, behold, the Lamb of God. We must become disciples of him. Jesus said, don't call anyone on earth father, teacher, all these different titles, because I am the only one who deserves to be that. Ha, ah, what a freedom that is. What a freedom. I don't need to control my little band of followers and make them into my image. No, we're all following him, amen? Isn't that wonderful? Make disciples of all the nations. It's our job to make disciples. Right, I, I better move on. Let me go back to John chapter one. John said, behold the Lamb of God. Are you pointing people to Jesus or to you? Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak. They followed Jesus. Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? They said, Rabbi. In other words, they were saying, we want to be your disciples. Rabbi means teacher. Rabbi, we want to follow you now, not John. He pointed us to you. He referred us to you, and we want to follow you. Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, where are you staying? Now that is so interesting. You know, another modern fallacy of discipleship is that discipleship is like a, a university course. People say, have you done a discipleship course? Have you been discipled? And immediately we think in terms of module one, sub-module A, B, C, D, and E, and then you go into the next module, and at the end of a year you get a little certificate, and then you go into module two, and I'm discipled through a a schooling process, they didn't say, please can I enroll in your school and do my exams? They said, where are you staying? Because discipleship means living together. It's just so different. It means sharing our lives together. It means I watch how you eat, how you respond, how you act when you wake up in the morning, how you how you handle adversity, I'm watching and I'm learning. You know, when I did my GCSEs or O-levels, we had French, I did French, and part of our French exam was a, an oral conversation in French with an examiner where they would ask us questions, we would answer them, we would say some things in French, we would listen to a little French recording and, and we would discuss it. There was an oral discussion. And I could have learned French just by reading a book, going through the modules, but it was Madame Pelling who taught me how to intone words. Listen, I'm not a French expert by any means, but I passed. God is good, hallelujah. But it was her, I, while I was speaking and while I was listening, I was remembering her mouth and her voice and her tone and her eyes and her head. And I was thinking, I remember. That's what that word sounds, that's how I say that word. Because it wasn't just book learning, there was a relationship. She was a great teacher. When I did scouts, when I was a young little lad, we had to get badges for sewing and cooking and putting up tents and bushcraft and all these different things. 
And again, I could have studied that in a book, but it was Arkela and his wife, Balu, who taught me how to make a fire and how to cook something and how to put a tent up. And when I was doing it, it wasn't book learning. I was remembering their face, their actions, their attitude and what they taught me. And it was a relational learning and discipling is relational. Listen to what it says. Where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. Hospitality, come on. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. Why does it tell us that it was four o'clock in the afternoon? Because if you meet somebody on the street at four o'clock in the afternoon and they say to you, hey, tell me about Jesus, Where are you staying? I guarantee if you are a modern human being, you say, oh, let's set up an appointment. Let me get my calendar out. Jesus says, come along. It's four o'clock. It's late. You haven't got time to organize dinner, and you don't know what the rest of the family are doing. And I mean, it's inconvenient at four o'clock to say, come and stay the night with me. But they came and they stayed the night with Jesus. Isn't that amazing? This is where we have misunderstood discipleship. You say to me, but Greg, you said discipleship was not me making disciples of of me. It was me pointing people to Jesus. Yes, I did say that. But discipleship involves a family. And that's why Jesus chose 12. And then... In Luke chapter 10, he sends out the 72, which means each of the two pairs from the 12. They were in, in Luke chapter 9, he sends out the 12 in pairs of two. They come back and they're rejoicing. And then he sends out the 72, which means each pair, each of those pairs chose another 12. And they send them out because discipleship is pointing people to Jesus, but it's done in the context of a group dynamic, of a family. That's how discipleship works. I'm never pointing people to me, but we are pointing people to Jesus. We. And that's why the church is the most beautiful and amazing invention of God, because it puts together old and young, black and white, educated and uneducated, rich and poor, all the mixture and gifts that the body of Christ has, and together we disciple, we point people to Jesus, and one person on their own will never be able to do the job. Isn't that amazing? So, Where are you staying? It's the 10th hour. It's four o'clock in the afternoon. Now we're getting on to the aspect of how do I make disciples and how do I know if I am a disciple? Because do you remember I quoted Matthew 28? Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them, etc., etc. How do I do that? You see, the amazing thing about being a disciple, this is my next point if you're making notes, the amazing thing about being a disciple is you will always, if you are a disciple, you will always make more disciples. Let's look at Matthew 28 quickly. Jesus says, he calls his followers together. He says, go therefore, make disciples, make followers, Uh, baptizing, etc. But then he says, teaching them to observe 
everything I have commanded you. So now the disciples are thinking about all the things Jesus has taught them, all the things over the three years that he's commanded them, all the things they've learnt, all the habits and changes in their lives, and Jesus is saying, I am telling you to make disciples of other people, and everything I've put into you, you must help them to observe. It doesn't say obey, by the way, it says observe. Okay, short little aside here. If it had said obey, then when Jesus told the disciples, you are only to go to Israel, you're not, a, not to go to anywhere else, we as modern day Christians would have to say, I'm not allowed to do missionary work anywhere except Israel. Do you see that? He said observe because that's the way all of our Bible understanding happens is we watch what God said to somebody else, we understand the context of what he said to them, and we take out the meaning that's for us. Understanding he was speaking to them, not to me. I'm eavesdropping, but God knew I would be eavesdropping, and so he put enough in there for me to understand what he's saying to me. And so Jesus says to his disciples, Tell, teach your disciples to observe, to hold close, to understand and to love everything I've commanded you. And one of the things he'd commanded them was to make disciples. Follow with me, follow the logic. Jesus says to them, you make disciples, teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. One of the things I've commanded you is make disciples. Therefore, every disciple of Jesus must make more disciples. Do you see that? If he told them to make more disciples exactly the same as themselves and told the, them to make their new disciples obey the same rules and laws and truths, then making more disciples applies to us. And if you are not making more disciples, you are not a real disciple. Wow. Not making more converts not just getting a person to put up their hand and say, yes, I believe in Jesus, pray a prayer. Yes, I want Jesus. No, making followers, <laughs> real followers. How are we doing with this, friends? And it's not you alone, it's us. We together make disciples. How are you and me and us together doing at making disciples? Let's read on. Listen to this. This is where it gets a little bit practical. One of the two, this is verse 40 of John 1. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. So there is the key. He first told him what he'd experienced and then he brought him and introduced him to Jesus. That is how you and I make disciples. You know, it's not, your service to the Lord in making disciples is not primarily in the hour and a half or two hours or whatever on a Sunday that you spend at church. It's at your desk, it's on the streets, it's in the sports place, it's at the doctor's office, it's in the supermarket, it's with your family and your children. That is where you make disciples and it's a twofold process. Number one, you tell them about what Jesus has done for you, what he means to you, you inspire them and then you invite them. 
you say, come, I want to invite you to meet Jesus. Inspire and invite. How are you doing with inspiring people? How many times have you said to somebody, wow, I had the most wonderful camping weekend with my church and God really helped me or spoke to my relationships or I had a pain and, and Jesus healed me or, or, you know, I've just, my life's been so much more peaceful since I've known God or whatever it is, just a little inspiration of what God has done for you. That is what Andrew did with his, with his brother, Simon. He inspired, and then he invited. He said, come, let me introduce. And if we don't make the invitation, I believe there are many people hanging on our words. They're watching us at work or in our social life, and they're saying, when will this person invite me to a life group, to a, a barbecue, to somewhere where I can see what's, what's this Christian thing all about? And they're waiting for an invitation. That's all. And when we inspire, we tell them genuinely, and then we invite them, then Jesus meets them. And that's all we gotta do. It's so easy. It's not this thing of I must be this big discipler, who guru person who makes people perfect. I just introduce them to Jesus. Let me show you this Jesus that I've met. You know this man, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, He's mentioned three times in the Gospel of John, and every time we see him, he's introducing someone to Jesus. In John chapter six, the feeding of the 5,000, the disciples are saying, we don't have any bread, we can't feed these people. Andrew goes and finds a little boy with five loaves and two fishes, and he introduces him to Jesus. And then in John chapter 12, it says there were some Greek people who came and said, we want to meet Jesus. And one of the disciples said, Philip said, what do we do, Andrew, what do we do? Andrew said, come, let me introduce you to Jesus. Andrew is always introducing people to Jesus. He says, this is, listen to what he says in verse 40, 41. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. And now the key to becoming a disciple is this relationship that happens when a person meets Jesus. I'll, I'm gonna read on. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. It's quite an amazing first meeting. <laughs> Hi, I'm Greg. Hi, I'm, I'm John. No, you're not John. You're actually... Imagine that. What I'm trying to show you is that this meeting with Jesus is a life-changing meeting. It's a different meeting. You know you're a disciple because you've met him on a heart level and he's changed your identity and your whole way you look at life. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel. The same process. Philip has become a disciple. The first thing he does is he finds somebody else to become a disciple. It's just the way disciples go. If you're a disciple, you will be inviting and inspiring others to become disciples. So Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? 
He starts having an intellectual argument with him. You know, if you've tried to witness to someone, you've come across these intellectual arguments, haven't you? Where people bring up, oh, but what about that contradiction? Oh, what about evolution? Oh, what about this? What about, everyone's got an intellectual argument. Nathaniel said, can anything good come out? Philip said to him, come and see. Isn't that great? That's all he says, come and see. I've got a friend called Jordan, and when he's witnessing on the streets, if people are trying to argue with him, he says, can I just pray for you for peace? When they're all angry and intellectual, he says, can I just pray for you for peace? Puts his hand gently on their shoulder, he says, Lord, give them your peace. And he says, always that person is just silenced and that the peace of God comes over them because it's an experiential thing. We've got to introduce them. You know, you can win an argument. You can be so good at arguing, you can win an argument, but you haven't won their heart. You can beat a person down with logic, but that doesn't make them a Christian. It's when they meet Jesus. Amen? Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming and said, Behold, an Israelite, in whom is no deceit. There's a really interesting thing going on there. In Hebrew, he says, behold an Israel in whom is no Jacob, because Jacob's name was changed to Israel. There's something really interesting going on there. And, and this interaction really deeply touched this man. Something really powerful was happening when Nathaniel met Jesus. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, he's become a disciple. You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of God. Of man. And these four fishermen, John, Andrew, Peter, and uh, Philip, and Nathaniel, so there's five there, they changed their whole lives. They were little obscure fishermen on the shore of Galilee who, if it wasn't for this, would have lived and died a normal life. They would have been lost in the dusts of history and they would have had no impact on the world. But because they became disciples of Jesus, they were changed, they were healed, they were filled with power and purpose and joy and their whole lives were changed, the whole direction of their lives. They became fishers of men instead of fishers of fish but you and I are here because of them. And it changed the course of history. They became eternally so significant. And that's what happens when you link yourself with Jesus. Can I ask you, my dear friend, are you a disciple of Jesus? Not just a Christian, not just a believer. Are you a disciple, a follower who's had your heart and life changed, where you walk with him, you talk with him, you learn from him, you love him, you fall at his feet, you say, Rabbi, Jesus, Lord, Messiah, King, have you had that experience? And then secondly, how are you doing at making disciples, not of you, but of Jesus? Thanks for listening. 
please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.